Fun Factory.com has partnered with Locker Room Talk and Shots. So when you use my special code, SELS20, you get 20% off your Fun Factory purchase. Just head to us.funfactory.com and use my code, SELS20, at checkout for 20% off sex toys, lube, massage oils, and more. Cheers. <laughs> Do the sex. <laughs> this is Annette Benedetti, your host for Locker Room Talk and Shots, the podcast that gives listeners the chance to eavesdrop on the kind of conversations women have behind closed doors while knocking back booze and dishing about sex. But this episode is going to be a little different. April is National Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and both myself and Anna Arroyo, the locker room bartender, agreed that it would be remiss of us to run a podcast on women's sexuality and not address it. So we decided to do a special episode on sexual assault. The women in this episode agreed to bravely share their stories with us, and to be honest, when we began recording, I didn't really know what to expect. But what happened was incredible. Over the next hour, you get the opportunity to witness raw, honest, and sometimes even hilarious stories between women who are determined to tell their stories in their own voice, their way, in an effort to help fight the epidemic that is sexual assault and rape. But before we get started, if you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted or raped, there is help. Rain. The Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network has a hotline you can call, and the number is 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-HOPE. Now let's get started. Welcome to the locker room. <laughs> Ring loop. I have... Two guests who have joined me today to share their personal stories and um, their journey after experiencing sexual assault. Um, I feel very fortunate that both guests are returning from past episodes, but I will let them tell you who they are and what episodes they have already appeared on. Daisy. Hi there. I'm Daisy. I have been on two separate podcasts. I've been on So You Think You Can Porn, and I've also been on What We Wish Men Would Stop Doing in Bed. And my second guest is Chrissy. Hi, I'm Chrissy. I'm 42. I was in water sports. <laughs> and she was known as? Bubbles. Bubbles. <laughs> I don't know why I picked an anonymous name. Oh, well, you, I mean, Whatever. it was about water sports. <laughs> it can sometimes be tricky to talk about publicly. <laughs> okay. So, hey, and of course, um, Anna Arroyo, our bartender, is here, and she picked an awesome shot for this episode. It is called The Angry Feminist, and we will be doing some cheers, but we have decided to open up our approach to clinking glasses and drinking to also fuck yous. So if you would like to find the recipe for tonight's cocktail, you can go to our website, which is lockerroomtalkpodcast.com. 
Um, you can also follow Anna Arroyo's column, Definitely Gay, on SheExplorersLife.com. You can find my column, Bisexuality in Reality, on SheExplorersLife.com as well. So ladies, let's raise our glasses. I want to thank you for being willing to come on this probably more difficult episode than what we typically do and to share your stories in honor of this very important month. Cheers. Oh, that is really good. It's so good. It's more tarragon than yesterday because mm-hmm. it got to sit for a little bit longer. This has infused, infused vodka. We got fancy for this topic. Yeah, listeners, we're infusing shit now. <laughs> stepping, our game up. stepping our game up. <laughs> for, we're showing that we're professional. We are going to start by giving each woman at the table an opportunity to tell their story or stories. Because let's be real, folks. Most women experience some form of sexual assault more than once in their life. So um, we're just going to go around the table. I, I know you all came to the locker room today to share a story at least. Um, and I want to give you the time to talk about it. So let's go ahead and start with Daisy. You get to kick, kick us off. Thank you. <clears throat> so when doing the podcast, one of the things I've tried to make perfectly clear is that I am one kinky bitch. And uh, that's kind of where my story starts is it was my first time going to a munch. And if you don't know what a munch is, it is a very vanilla setting where you go to a bar or a restaurant so that you can meet other kinky people, but in a safe vanilla environment where you don't have to worry about someone trying to tie you up or um, come at you with a cane. It gives you an opportunity to ask questions and meet people. I know I'm really a, such a freak. <laughs> and Later. <laughs> uh, I would like to note the Chrissy's ears like put perked up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, water sports opened her up to new things. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Uh, So I went to my first munch and it was here in Portland where we live and it was at a wine bar. I walked in with a book, didn't really plan on talking to anybody, was more just kind of figuring things out. Um, When a guy walked up to me and introduced himself as Levi. And we spent a lot of the night getting to know each other. And um, there's a thing that's really common in the kink community. And it's where you have other people kind of sponsor you or vouch for you. That way, you kind of have an idea that the person that you're starting to talk to is known in the community and plays safe. Um So with Levi, um, we talked a few times and we met at Powell's one time. Um, we met later and I had my, my kid with me and we were in Powell's, a giant bookstore here in Portland. And he was trying to get posy while I had my kid in a stroller in front of us. And that was such a red flag for me. But one of the things that going into a community that has its own rules and its own regulations. And I didn't know what was considered normal. I'm using air quotes here. I didn't know what was normal for a person to be doing in this kind of situation. There's 
tons of books and I read and I role played and I had this idea of what kink looked like. And what I ended up experiencing was very different. Uh, finally, the night came where we were going to, it's called playing together because um, I've been very clear with everyone that I was going to play with that it is non-sexual for me um, because I want to be more in the moment and experiencing my kink experience. I am, uh, at least I was a masochist at that time. And I really loved the feeling of getting over the pain and being able to be stronger than the physical pain that I was being dealt. It was really important to me to be stronger. Um, Levi had some tools. He called it an electreat, and it was basically small amounts of electric shocks. And not a lot of people in the community had access to or used those kind of things. Um, so on our date, I made it clear that sex was off the table and it's always off the table for me when it comes to kink. But one of the things we didn't do was sit down and do a negotiation, which is something that you absolutely do before, before you do kink thing. Mm -hmm is you always have to set out what you are and you aren't willing to do. And if someone won't negotiate with you, don't do it. So we went to a game club. So you're saying he would not negotiate with you or it was, was just something. It that, was something that just didn't happen. Right. And just for clarity, yeah. You did not know to ask. Right. This was okay. really early. And this was mm -hmm. my first kink experience. This was Got it. very, very beginning. The first person I ever played with. And he should have. Yes. Yep. He, he's been in the community. He should have said. And he should have Let's known. Let's have this open line of communication. Yes. Okay. Got it. So, so um, going into this scenario, um, he, the things that I was interested in was playing with his electric toy. Cause that's, it's kind of like a trick where something, this person has something that is unique, one of a kind. You're only going to get it with this one person. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that, um, we were in one of the kink slash sex clubs here in Portland. There's a few and for the anonymity of the club, I'm not going to mention them. Um, it's not their fault that this happened. So, um, they have bedrooms in the back and he led me to one of the bedrooms and I took off my shirt and my skirt at that time. I was still having on my bra and my underwear. Um, we prearranged to do shabari, which is when you use rope to get tied up. I was consenting to that part. And then he was going to use a TENS unit, um, which is really common for like muscle spasms and things. He was going to use a TENS unit on me and like jack it up so I could be shocked. And uh, I was consenting to that and he was going to use his electric. However... We'll be right back. 
My code SELS20 is your key to kicking off the sexiest new year ever had when you use it at funfactory.com. Enjoy 20% off Fun Factory's luxury products, including vibrators, cock rings, lube, and more when you use my code SELS20. Check out the Vim vibrating wand. Yes, the one featured on this podcast thumbnail. Grab the nose vibrating cock ring and experience more simultaneous orgasms in 2024. And don't forget Forget to check out their rabbit style vibes. I'm talking about the lady bye for toe curling blended O's all year long. Just fill your cart and use code SELS20 at checkout and enjoy 20% off when you shop funfactory.com. Cheers. Lindsay had me tied up. Nothing that we agreed upon had happened. The music was loud and no one could hear me. Oh, God. Rihanna's S&M song was playing in the background. I was like, no, just stop. Yeah. And I said no. And later I he said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I I thought you were into it. I was like, what point of me crying and saying no did you think was a part of the scene, was a part of what we agreed upon, was anything to do with what I had told you I was okay with. And uh, after that is when I... I stopped communicating with him. I sought out people who were considered leaders in the community. And it turns out that a lot of people knew. A lot of people knew what kind of person he was. And the person that had vouched for him knew what he had been doing to newcomers in the community. And that he was targeting these girls and hurting them on purpose because we don't know any better. Yeah. Wow. We don't know to communicate. We don't know to negotiate. We don't know that we're allowed to set our own boundaries and that the person who is, again, air quotes, the dominant party doesn't control the situation. So. Wow. Yeah, that's intense. And do you mind if I ask how many years ago that was? Uh-huh. months or whatever it's been years now um it's been about seven years now about seven years so can we do a fuck you to levi so stupid fucking name what a fucking douche fuck levi fuck that guy fuck that guy <laughs> thank you daisy for sharing that with us i know that was really hard for you um, yes. and it's very brave for you to share that. And I think that it's, it's an important share because the kink community is but probably just many of our listeners is a little bit like uh, they don't, they're curious about it. And I think there are a lot of questions around when it comes to BDSM, like, how is that safe? How, you know what I mean? How does someone know what to do and what not to do? And I think obviously that's going to have to be a show that we put on at some point. So people understand that, um, the BDSM community, that, that, that approach to sex is not just, a flat out, um, uh, green light to 
do whatever you want to someone who is defines themselves in a scene as submissive. So I appreciate you like being willing to be like open and vulnerable, especially with a story that is so unique. Absolutely. Doing kink and doing the BDSM or being a part of the BDSM community provided me with a community that I didn't have after a really, really brutal divorce. And while there were some really shitty things that happened in it, it brought me closer to a community and a support system and a lot of people who cared about me that I would not have had without it. So while I'm talking about the negative thing that happened, I have to put the caveat in there that please don't actually be afraid. Make sure that you're standing up for yourself. Make sure that you're actually verifying that people are good um, as much as you can, but uh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come talk to us. Of course. (laughs) So Chrissy, are you ready? Yeah. Great. Daisy, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) Sorry you had to go through that. I love you. I'm sorry that we have to be here together tonight. (laughs) You're such a wonderful person. Thank you. So are you. I'm glad that we're all here. It's, you know, it's a, even though it's not my favorite. It's not the happiest. It's a necessary one. Fluffy. (laughs) Right. And it's important for subject. It's just not. (laughs) We'll save the unicorns for next week, I suppose. (laughs) Oh, that actually. Wait, are we talking about unicorns? Next week. (gasps) Okay. Okay. Everybody chill. (laughs) I love being a unicorn. (laughs) So back to being serious with Chrissy. Um, So my story is I, my mom and I had a very tumultuous relationship and she uh, kicked me out of the house in the summer of 1997. How old were you? I was freshly 18. And her thought process was, you're an adult. You're not abiding by my rules, my laws, whatever. And if you're not going to do what I'm telling you, you need to leave. So I left. Um, I used to hang out with a bunch of the hippie kids in the park and my hometown, Springfield. And, um, I met this girl. She was also a ginger bro and her, I, she was like a big ray of sunshine. So I called her sunshine and she says, I'm taking off on this, uh, I'm going to hitchhike and go to this rainbow gathering. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I'm in. (laughs) So we start thumbing it and we hitch rides and mind you, it's 1997 and long story short, I ended up doing fish tour that summer. I didn't drink alcohol then. Um, the only drugs I really did at the time were I, I would smoke pot and every once in a while, somebody would drop me a hit of acid. Um, I dated this guy. We met another guy um, and his name was Bear. We ended up in Florida and he ran into this guy and this guy kind of like, like let us pretty much pitch a tent in his backyard. Right. Um, And we did that for like a week or two um, because we didn't have anywhere else to go. So, I break up with the guy that I was dating. His name was Shane. I broke up with him. And 
Cut to November rolls around. It's sort of the holiday season. It's getting close to Thanksgiving. And I'm like, I just want to go home and see my mom and my sister. And so this guy, Bear, and can I just tell you that this guy, from the moment I met him, creeped me the hell out. It was like every red flag, every fiber of your being was like, run away. He was like six foot four. He was huge. He kind of looked like a bear. And he had this eye that I don't know what was wrong with it, but it looked like a fish eye. It was like, you know, it had like that weird, like creepy looking film over it. He was a creepster. And every fiber of my being was like, get away from him. But he was also the only person that I knew that had a car and didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he happened to be around when I was like, yeah, I want to, I just want to go home to Illinois to see my mom and my sister. And he was like, I'll, I'll take you. And I was like, all right. And even though every fiber of my being was like, don't do it. I still was like, you're going to do it. So we get in the car <clears throat> and we make it to probably, um, we make it into Alabama. We're in mobile and he, it's nighttime. He's getting tired. He pulls over into this rest area and I'm like wigged out. I'm like, I don't want to be, I want this car to be moving and I don't want to be anywhere in the dark with this guy. And rest areas, let's face it, they're creepy anyway. They're sketch. <laughs> totally. <Holy> sketch. <laughs> so we're at the rest area and he is in the front seat and I'm like, I am not sleeping in the front seat with him. So I f- get into the back seat and I kind of like flip over to where I'm facing the back seat. I don't want to know what the hell he's doing up there, you know? And like 15 minutes later, the car kind of starts shaking and I kind of like turn around and I, he's like jerking off in the front seat. He's just beating his meat. He's going to town. And I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Like, do I get out and run away at the rest area? What other creep am I going to end up Mm -hmm. with at the rest area? You know, all the truck drivers and stuff. I'm like rock hard place. What next? And before I can have any more thought processes, he realizes that I'm moving around in the back seat. He stops jerking off. He like, shoves his dick back in his pants and he clicks the, like turns the key of the ignition starts backing up and I'm like where are we going and he's like we're just gonna keep driving and I was like <laughs> I just didn't know what to do and so we uh drive we go past a couple of exit signs and then he just like takes off on this one exit we're in the middle of like legit nowhere, Alabama. It's we're in a field. I see a, like a, like a light to a house, but it's far. Like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what to do. Like, do I get out of the car? Do I try to run to that house? I don't know what, what else he's going to, to do. So we, he like parks the car, he gets out, he finds a stick. He like, he's so angry and aggressive. He just starts pounding this stick on the ground. He's like, just aggro, you know? And I'm like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. 
I'm looking for weapons. I'm like, what can I hurt him with if he comes at me? And there's, there's nothing. When he got out of the car, I started locking all the doors. I was like, hopefully he left his keys in here, you know? I'm going to take Peace off out. this piece of shit Buick and get the hell out. Maybe run his ass over on your <laughs> or way that out. too, yeah. <laughs> Probably mess up the car. <laughs> That's not yours. <laughs> True. But I want to escape. <laughs> but, um, but he has the keys. Like, he had taken the keys. So he was able to still get back in the car. And he starts coming into the back seat where I'm at, because I never, I mean, after the, the jerking off, I was like, eh, I'm good. Um, so he gets in the back. He's like, um, can we have sex? And I was like, absolutely not. I do not want to have sex with you. And he was like, well, you had sex with Shane all the time. And I was like, I was dating him. I do not want to have sex with you. And um, he pretty much forced himself like he's pulling his dick out for like t pulling off my pants and everything and he very much so tried um he never got an erection but somehow he still came mm -hmm. it was very bizarre uh, and i was just like i mean i cried i was like no i don't like you know try to fight him off but what am i going to do in the middle of a dirt field in nowhere, Alabama. Right. I mean, so it just kind of happened. It was over with. And then he got into the front seat and fell asleep. And I, I mean, I was like, what the hell just happened? And I got out and I peed and I used a piece of toilet paper to wipe. And I laid awake all night long. I did not go to sleep. When the sun came up, he woke up, we, we, we left and he was broke. As I said before, no job has a car, no job. Um, he had had his parents wire him some money. And again, 1997, it, there was no such thing as an ATM. So we were, so, and you had to go to the bus stop. Right. So we ended up at Greyhound. Some shit went down at the Greyhound. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to that. Uh -huh. Well, I think a big fuck you to Bear is in Fuck order. you, Bear. Fuck you, His Bear. His actual real name is Daryl. Fuck him. Anna, do you have something you want to talk about? We'll be right back. Start the new year off with a bang. My code explores 15 gets you 15% off womanizer.com's famous pleasure air text sex toys. You know, the clit satisfying sucking sensation that guarantees explosive orgasms. Just go to womanizer.com and check out my personal favorite, the Womanizer Duo 2. Get ready for blended orgasms or the premium 2. Womanizer.com has something for you whether you are seeking clitastic satisfaction, blended orgasms or explosive g-spot experiences just shop womanizer.com and use my code explores 15 at checkout for 15 off that's 15 off all womanizer.com products with my code explores 15 at checkout cheers um i've been thinking about this for a little while first of all i just want to say Thank you, Chrissy and Daisy, for sharing your stories. I'm really sorry that you guys went through that, but thank you for sharing and being mm -hmm. here with us today. So this is a subject I've been thinking about since you mentioned this podcast was coming up. 
I don't have a particular story I guess I want to share, but something I guess I've been thinking about is feelings of guilt and blame. So if this had been like a year ago, I would have maybe said like, oh, Anna, you probably don't really have anything to contribute. But kind of just looking back on certain events in my life, I never considered that situations I was in could have maybe been construed as assaults because I was the one that got drunk. Because I was the one that got wasted. Then I it was my fault. So I never really looked at it as a way of like, oh, you were probably taken advantage of. I just thought, oh, you stupid bitch, you got drunk and you <laughs> you ended up fucking this man that you would never have wanted to fuck in a thousand years. I never really put it in the frame of mind of like, oh, no, you got wasted and this man absolutely like took advantage of you. So I guess just kind of that whole like thing about like consent. And I don't know, I really blamed myself for all of those. And I never really yeah, so I'd like to make it clear on our locker room talk and shots where uh, our position on and she explores life's position on consent and uh, intoxication. If a woman is intoxicated, she is not capable of giving consent. And, um, and it's just really, really that simple if they're, if uh, men are out trolling for women who are too intoxicated to give consent. And there's obviously a, you know, when it comes to being con- in- intoxicated, there is a, you know, a variety of like how severely intoxicated you are. But it's, there comes a point when it's really obvious that a woman's not capable of consent. And let's not pretend like that is not the truth and um and what kind of a fucking sicko wants to bang a woman who is blackout drunk you know so yeah i don't know i think i was just really ignorant just because like my situation just because it didn't look like some rape scene from some episode of law and order svu that doesn't mean you know that you were totally taken advantage of absolutely yeah so right there's lots of different kinds of assault which is one thing I've realized more recently. It's true that assaults look different and occur in different situations. And it's not, they aren't all, you know, the, the kind that they like to use for TV shows, the violent overt, although, you know, a lot of them are, um, so, so fuck you, those guys. Fuck, fuck you, those guys. Those guys. <laughs> those predatory I mean, guys. Fuck you guys. All right. Um, so I have really two stories that I want to focus on, and I'm going to keep them short. I don't feel the need to necessarily go in depth, but I will say to start off, like one thing I'm really open about in general with people in my life is I am a childhood rape survivor. I was, well, for a long time, I thought I was 13 when I was raped. Um, but I actually, a few months ago, took the time to sit down and do the math. And I had just turned 14. Um, and I went to a party um, with a friend. Uh, and it was a 32-year-old man was putting on this 
party. Um, I had had a fight with my mom that night. I ran away from home, went to my friend's house. We snuck out and we ended up at this party with this um, 32 year old man who at the end of the night, um, before I was going to leave, took me in the bathroom and proceeded to strangle me until I passed out. And I woke up to being, uh, yeah, raped. I was, I woke up actually, uh, and was yelling no, and that did stop him. Um, but you know, a day late and a dollar short. Um, mm. and so that was sort of, you know, probably one of the, you know, it was one of the most, uh, impactful moments of my youth. It was like a moment that's changed everything for me. Um, so that is, the first story that I will tell. Um, but I actually want, what I want to talk about is because I've spent a lot of time and I'll talk about this later, you know, healing from that and, um, getting to a place where I feel empowered, um, as a grown ass woman. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately a year ago, um, almost a year ago, I was sexually assaulted by a doctor. Um, I went in to, um, I had to have a vaginal exam because as so many women, which we will do an episode, um, had, um, ACE infection. And for some reason they wouldn't let me just, you know, usually I could just call in and get medication when my pH was off or whatever. Um, I don't, you know, they, there's over the counter meds that I have allergic reaction to, but I went in for that exam. Uh, so I, to, to be clear because of my history, I do not allow vaginal exams by male practitioners. It just, I find that it traumatizes me every time. And, um, it was something I realized at some point this traumatizes me. I don't want male providers anymore, but because of COVID, my female provider was not willing to meet me there. So she said, I kind of had to take who was ever there or wait until she was back on, rotation. And as you all know, or maybe you don't, maybe you haven't had a yeast infection. It's just not something you can wait and take care of. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess I just have to take whoever's on staff and it happened to be a male provider. So I thought to myself, I'm going to go in. It's a swab. It's a quick swab. And then I'm out of there. Um, I'm just going to bite the bullet because things are weird now. It's COVID. I don't have control over my life. Um, so I went in at the time Kaiser was my provider and, um, I go in and suddenly this guy is like, you should also, it's time for you to also have your pap and you should also have this. And I said repeatedly to him, no, no, I don't want, I asked first, I'm like, will that require a second swab? Will that require you to enter me again? Was my very specific question. And he said, yes. And I said, no, I'm going to wait to do this with my female provider. Uh, there was a woman in, um, an assistant in the room at the time. He, and then he started throwing another test. He's like, well, it's time you also do this and this. And I started to become very upset. So first of all, it feels very humiliating. You know, we all know yeast infections are normal for everyone, but it's, it's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. not something, you know, you just like, it's not fun to it. I don't know about you guys, but especially a survivor, like anytime anything is off in my body that has to do with my sexual organs, it fucks with my head. And it's, and it's so dumb. I know because it has nothing to do with anything, but I found it's very triggering for me. And then on top of it, I have this man who is, 
was really blit. Like he was clearly annoyed that I was saying no. He was annoyed. He was like, but it's time for this and that. And I'm like, yes. And when I can, I'm going to, I'm going to do that with my provider who was a woman. And I, I mean, I said this at least four times. So he goes out, I change. He comes back in shortly after the assistant came back in. He does the first swab and then He's uh, the only thing I remember He's holding his hands in there and he asks her for something. She says, Oh, you're going to do that. And kind of looks at me. And that was at that moment, it was almost like I, I left my body. I was just, I can't even explain the feeling, uh, in that moment, I couldn't say anything because it happened so fast and I knew what was happening. And he said, yeah, we are. And he got the second swab, which is a much more invasive, as you guys know, when someone goes in for the full meal deal. And the next thing I know, he's back inside me and I couldn't say anything. And it was especially um, upsetting to me because I think of myself, I'm informed. I speak a lot about sexual assault and um, I did fucking nothing. I did nothing. He was done, uh, left the room and I left, I left Kaiser shaking, shaking. Like I was shaking and like, I mean, I think, you know, it was, my, it was very confusing to me because this was a doctor. It was somebody who I am supposed to listen to. It was a person in power in a very unique way. And so anyways, that is the second one that I is, has happened more recently that, um, I've had to work through in the last year. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And that that's really vulnerable and kind of shows again that people can abuse power in any situation. And, uh, yeah, I definitely. I'm still struggling with that. I still am struggling with this one, um, kind of in a different way than the one uh, when I was young. It's um, oh man, it's uh, because it is like I mean, a, a different power dynamic, right? I definitely agree because from young children, we are told trust your doctor. Mm -hmm. Your doctor's got your best interest in mind, and we're trained from a very young age to respect your doctor and to listen to them. So, being in that position of power, he should have listened. And it doesn't it doesn't matter. You had another plan. You communicated. I understand that these things are due. I do not want to do this with you. I want to do it with my female practitioner. You spoke clearly. And I was like, I don't want you to enter me again. And here is the thing, folks. What has taken me a little time to get good with myself about is, um, at, like after this experience, um, months after when I was with a, a lover, um, and we were having sex and I during sex, I, I don't know, for some reason I uttered like a no or a stop, stop, stop. I think it was like very intense. I said it once and that guy stopped fast yeah. and he was just like, he, the bottom line is a good person knows the minute you say no, 
consent has been revoked. Yes. The minute you say a woman has the right to decide who enters her body <clears throat> and when it is your body, a man should know if it, so if not even just a man, but anybody, anybody. if it was a female practitioner Absolutely. saying right. no and removing the consent doesn't matter at right. that point. Any entering right. was a violation. It not only is it, I believe, medical battery, but it's also sexual assault. You entered my vagina after I explicitly you said, said you four times. Not. Oh, probably more than that, Jesus. but at least four. I mean, I was very clear. So, um, so yes. Yeah. Um, so I do want to. Uh, so you know what? Fuck, fuck that guy. You. And yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that doctor. <laughs> Uh, so I do want to move on to address, um, the topic of, um, reporting, whether you did or didn't, there's no judgment here, by the way, whether you did or didn't, um, did you confront the person sort of the aftermath and the reporting or dealing with it part? Um, so I'd like to take a moment to go around and kind of hear about what each of you have did have done. Uh, so this is Daisy once again talking. Um, so I feel like I was in a, a really unique situation because when you're talking about the kink community, a lot of it is done in-house. Um, I did not report it to the police, um, but I did report it to the people that were thought of as in charge, the people that are the kind of like the authority where um, there's different places you can go and do kink activities. And that person was blacklisted to where they were not allowed to enter those spaces because they are not safe. Um, also, I did confront him and told him that that was absolutely 100% rape, that I did not consent to that and that he, that was not, not acceptable. Um, on top of that, on something that I am really proud of is that, uh, anytime something negative happens to me, I take action. I am a very action oriented person. Um, and what I ended up doing is I ended up starting my own munch very shortly after that. Um, my munch started at, uh, the hot cake house and it was called the midnight munch. The midnight munch was for new people, right? I, I loved it. it. I loved it. And, uh, my focus was it attracted a lot of younger people, people that were just getting in because, and so it just was a different kind of community that was brought together. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I ended up doing is I made printouts and laminated them and put them on all of the tables that were the tables I was using. And it talked about things like the red light system, um, where it's green for good or go more yellow for, Hey, we're starting to get in territory. I'm not comfortable with and red for you better fucking stop right now. Everything stops. Um, and that's something that's pretty widely known in the kink community. It also talked about consent and everything from giving hugs, um, to getting phone numbers that if you are not being respectful of someone's space from the very beginning in a vanilla situation, vanilla meaning like normal, normal people that it was not going to be acceptable. Um, I was really proud and really happy that Munch really blew up for a while. Um, we had over 50 members coming. Uh, it ended up, uh, 
the hot cake house ended up asking us to not come anymore because we filled the building. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up going to the IHOP <laughs> on 82nd. <laughs> IHOP. That's where all the kinky people hang out. <laughs> uh, gotta get our pancakes. Which is funny because um, part of the reason I chose it is because I'm kind of known for making pancakes after sex. <laughs> Just a, a I can totally believe that. This is not surprising to me. I, I like blueberry. <laughs> you got it. Let's go. Uh, so one of the other things that um, I had this really weird opportunity is that um, there was one time I was driving by PCC and I spotted Levi now sporting the worst mohawk I had ever seen leaning against a car and talking to a girl. And as we drove by, I had my partner stop and I screamed, get away from him. Levi is a rapist. Save yourself. And the girl literally turned around and ran. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That was one of Wait, those. Can we cheers to that? Sure. Can have a cheers. cheers. Oh, my God, Daisy. That's awesome. That was one of the proudest moments of my life is because I think, um, after going through something like a rape or assault, it's really hard to find your own voice again. And not only being able to confront him, have him blacklisted from kink activities in the Portland area. I was literally able to stop him from getting to get his hands on another woman. And that was so uh, empowering. Yeah. So cheers to no, cheers not again. Cheers to that, Daisy. God damn. Amazing. Love it. Silver linings. My balls are much bigger now. <laughs> I think that's, 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 it's a satisfying story to hear. Like I feel satisfied listening to your resolution. Um, all right. So Chrissy, I want, you are in the middle of fucking Alabama. Mm -hmm. You have just gone through this thing. What happens? I'm at the Greyhounds. You guys got to the this Greyhound. guy is like, I'm gonna get my best Western. What's it called? No, that's a hotel. Western, Western Union. Union. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, what oh, is this yeah. called again? This is working. <laughs> the angry feminist. This is I... definitely working. <laughs> She's not angry, but it's good. Okay, so at the Greyhounds, doing Western Union, he's like, I'm gonna get my money from my mama, <laughs> and I'm still in the back seat, like, how the fuck? Am I going to get out of this? Right. Right. So he gets out of the car, goes into the Greyhounds and I, where's my shoes? I'm out of here. Where's my bag? Where's my stuff? I get out of the car. I run into the Greyhound and I find a payphone. Yes. I said payphone. No judgments here. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. So I obviously didn't have any money. So I called collect. Okay. My mom's phone was disconnected at that time. Oh, God. I mean, come on, help me. Please, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) So I had, back then, you have to remember your friends' phone numbers. So I had two friends, and they had phone numbers that were very close to the same. And I thought I was calling my one friend's house, and I was actually calling my other friend's house. Her mom answers the phone, and it's me calling Collect. She accepts. Thank God. If you're out there, thank you. <laughs> um, so she answers the phone and I'm like, buddy, you have to help me. I just got raped by this guy. I'm at the 
Greyhound in Mobile, Alabama. And she's like, what? <laughs> Hold on. Or she's actually like, what's the phone number on that phone? I give her the phone number. She's pretty much is like, I'll call you right back. Hangs up on me. Oh, 10 minutes later, the police are flooding the fucking front door of the Greyhound station. And and then Bear, he walks by me like when I'm on the phone and I'm like, he raped me. And I'm like saying it very loud. There's like people coming out of the bathroom because yeah. back in the day, the payphone was by the bathroom. There's people coming out of the bathroom. His eyes get huge. He like bolts. He takes the fuck off out of the front door. But then minutes later, cops are like flooding. And I'm just like holding on for dear life to this fucking payphone waiting for Buddy to call me back. And then the police come up and they're like, are you Chrissy? And I'm like, yeah, get me the fuck out of here. So when you tell authorities, I've been raped, this happened to me, a bunch of things happen. You, I got whisked away. I got taken to the um, police station. I had to write a report there. Then they took me to the like FBI headquarters place. I had to write, a, I had to verbalize everything that had happened to me again, then I had to write it all out. Every fucking detail you have to write out. Then they take you to the hospital and they give you a rape kit. They swab your vagina. They swab your vulva. They cut your pubic hairs. They take every sample that they can get from you. And you've already been humiliated enough. You've already had to say three and four and five times again, this happened to me. And in your mind, you're like, I need to make sure that every time I say this, it's the same because I don't want them to try to even say that didn't happen to you. Right. Because let's be real. A lot of times you're not believed. Mm-hmm. Yep. You brought this on yourself. You drank too much. What were you wearing? It all goes back to what did you do in order for that person to take advantage of you? I'm just here. I'm living my life. I didn't do shit. I should be able to say, no, you don't get to do that. Right. Anyway, cut to, I tell my story like 50 freaking times to the FBI and the cops. Um, I do the rape kit hospital. Um, they take all my clothes. They take my clothes. Um, I had to beg them to keep my shoes. Um, (laughs) the detective is like, I'm going to call my wife and have her bring you some clothes. You look like you're about the same size as her. She brings me a pair of jeans, a t-shirt, a hoodie. They give me some pocket change and put me on a fucking Greyhound bus (laughs) and send me home to my mom. So... That's yeah. And then I was supposed to go back for like a trial and stuff. And I told my mom, I was like, I, I, I can't do it. I I don't want to. I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. Like I just, I want it to be done. I also thought I was pregnant for a little while too. Oh no. Yeah. Super stressful and scary. Um, thank you. Planned Parenthood. I went to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. (laughs) And my my mom was like, if you're pregnant, you're getting an abortion. I was like, hallelujah. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Right. right. I'll take it. I'll, but I wasn't, but I mean, still, that's a lot. Right. You're 18 and 18. Yeah. 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 I mean, any, it doesn't matter how old you are really, but it was a lot. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you cares to that. you and going through the cups and, <laughs> BJ and, and yelling, he raped me. Anna, do you have anything you want to contribute? We'll be right back. Kick off the new year with a jaw-dropping 30% off of some of the hottest sex toys and my favorite, Gleam Lube, with code EXPLORERS30 when you shop thethruster.com. Known as the home of the incredible build-your-own-thruster prime, thethruster.com is also partnered with lassiere.com, where you'll find gorgeous vibrating steel toys, and boutiquevoila.com, where you can grab a vibrating lipstick, a rubber ducky that gets lucky, or even get pounded by... Thor's hammer, literally, all for 30% off with code EXPLORES30. Just head to thethruster.com where you'll find The Thruster, Lassier, and Boutique Voila and enjoy 30% off your site-wide purchases with code EXPLORES30 at checkout. Cheers. Well, earlier when we were doing our YouTube video, we were just kind of talking about the stigma of reporting assaults. And I mean, hearing your story, Chrissy, about everything you had to go through, like, I I mean, it's so clear why women don't want to report it. Because, I mean, I feel like as the victim, you must have felt punished. Like, you were the one suffering and having to go through all these awful things and getting the rape kit and all this shit. And you were the one that was assaulted. And just to have to, like, like go over it so right. many times it's like can't you just read the other report that i made already right. like you have to relive it over and over again i have that to sounds tell fucking every awful. fucking man in this place what just happened to me get a female in here i bet she could remember it mm-hmm. i bet she could write it down for me and then reiterate it to you five times <laughs> Uh, and i agree with that because with one of mine it was a family member and when i went to my mom and begged for help it was you misunderstood what was happening and that was not was it was it was just a massage that's all that was it was just a massage and you definitely misunderstood and i was told that if i said anything i would rip my family apart and it was my responsibility to keep quiet that's some Midwest bullshit girl it is a Midwest bullshit it's a Midwest bullshit and it's totally and my 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 family had at that time we had what was considered money and it was keep quiet. Don't say anything. We are from a small town and it'll rock the whole family. It'll rock the family. We'll lose our reputation. We'll lose our business and just swallow it. Just swallow it. Don't, don't talk about it. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Even to this day, my you mom. You still talk to your mom? Yeah, I'm really close with my mom. Oh. I'm really close to my mom still. Wow. And um, it wasn't till that particular person. Um, I'm talking about my, my stepdad. And uh, it wasn't until he died that my mom was finally like, I'm sorry. I should have I should have taken it seriously. And now that money is not a factor in it, and now that he's dead, thanks a lot for believing me. <laughs> We're giving hugs. So, yeah. Okay. If you're out there and, and you're a survivor of assault, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. That was Same. one of the things that we said at the, what the number two reason people don't report is that they don't think that they'll be believed. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in my first, uh, situation at 14, um, 
I, it ended up being reported, not because of a choice that I made, but um, when my parents finally came to get me, um, it escalated, our situation escalated and they had found out I had been out at a party cause I had been really, I lived in a small town where it got around. Um, and, uh, they were very angry and, um, and I was kind of, I was so young. I knew that people could, like at the at the time, I didn't. I I, I thought people could fi- figure out if you were a virgin or not, <laughs> and I was afraid oh, that no. somehow they would find out. And uh, so I don't remember exactly how I went. So it was so violent. Like I was so physically traumatized between uh, the, the actual rape, which had left me. I mean, I was bruised. I had, I was bruised. I was sore. I was in pain. Um, and then my parents' reaction was definitely like, you know, big, big <laughs> and aggressive. Um, and I was, and whatever, I can't remember the question that was asked, but for some reason I decided to go ahead and say, yes, I had had sex that night. Um, but I was very afraid of retaliation. Um, so I mean, I wasn't really asked details by anyone. And so my parents called the police and the next thing I know, I also went through a rape kit. I also, I was taken in. I had no support in the room with the police who questioned me over and over again. I was in horrific condition, uh, bruises. I mean, I was in and traumatized and freaked out and, and the rape kit was awful. And it's so weird because in my memory, that rape kit takes place not in the hospital, but in like a motel in the woods, which I know is not accurate, but for some reason, that's my memory. Maybe that's, maybe you went there when they were doing that and that's disassociating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Um, but, um, what ended up happening was, uh, I believe it was my parents' choice whether to prosecute or not. And it should have been a straightforward statutory rape. I'm assuming even back then that was a thing. This is the thing that blows my mind. Um, uh, my parents told me they weren't pursuing it because I would made it be made out to be a slut. I really think like, like you, Daisy, wow. it was a, it was a reputation thing and yeah. a fear of it. People finding out the retaliation of the community, right? They're, you know, whatever they're yeah. the view of them. Um, I'm surprised it didn't just get prosecuted because of Your um, age, my age and his age. And, and it really hit me when my, um, children started turning 13. I was just like, holy fucking so young. shit. If it were one of my kids. I'd There's fucking no do shit. So that was, that was that, that was that. That's how it all, you know, kind of ended. And here's the worst part, like getting back to the, the rape test, the, the rape tests and all the, um, stuff. Uh, so they, I also knew that they, at the time, HIV was AIDS was a really big thing. And, you know, yeah. and they're like, we're going to test you for AIDS, all of this shit. And no one ever told me my results. And what oh, I never God. told people is throughout my adolescence, uh, I think oh, I, I obviously suffered from PTSD and anxiety, but because no one talked to me about it, I 
feared. I thought they just didn't want to tell me I had all these diseases. I, for a long time, I was living with the fear that something was wrong with me, which I think is part of why I react so badly when I, you know, like any other woman have to go in for a vaginal exam uh, for like yeast infection or whatever it is, which brings me to that story. Um, I did report it. I reported it to my doctor. I reported it to, I put a, uh, a report in to Kaiser and no one did a fucking thing. They said, uh, that, well, they, that, oh, well, if he did that without your consent, it was wrong, but you really were due for that exam. There were all sorts of no. things. Now, here's the thing that's crazy. Nobody did a thing about it. And I reported and reported until he, one of the other things this motherfucker did was he, um, put, some wrong code in for the medication I got and uh, he, he messed up and I got overcharged and I refused to pay for that, that mistake on his side. So you want to know when they finally contacted me, it was when I refused to pay the bill and I said, I'm not paying this bill. Um, I'm not paying for my assault. Right? I, basically, I was like, I'm not paying the, my bill for this. And I've reported this doctor and this assault to you and nobody has done anything. And then sure enough, Sure enough, I heard right away back. I mean, the minute you're like, you're not going to pay, uh, they they got a hold of me and it went through a, cl- a claims person. I was interviewed about that assault multiple times. The CEO contacted me. They said they looked into it. Um, then they said that, you know, they looked into it. They couldn't tell me the results of their investigation, but that he would there would, you know, they would deal with him, but that they couldn't tell me what the outcome was or what was happening with him and that they would change, you know, or look into their policies and make changes. So this kind of thing didn't happen. And I'm like, not good enough. Mm-mm. I deserve, so I don't even get to know. I don't like, there's nothing for me. Um, so I hired a lawyer, but here's the thing. Here's what I've been told. Um, in order for this to go to court, um, and for me to have success, well, and I, you can't act angry. You're going to have to act sad because nobody feels bad for an angry woman. They feel bad for sad women. And what Kaiser did was they sent me to risk man, my story to risk management where I've been buried. I get So I'm a risk to be managed. Um, and I have decided I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go to court and pretend like I'm just sad and shake like a, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> You're not going to pretend to be sad. You're pissed off. I am pissed off. I'm definitely sad, but I'm not going to play this role because that's what's going to get a conviction. I'm not doing that. Like I have slowly gotten my feet back under me and I'm just going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be open about it. I actually texted the COO the other day and I said, I want you to not not forget me. Don't Mm -hmm. forget me. You, you know better. And I wake up some mornings and I have to think about this and it's upsetting and you should be as uncomfortable as I am. Um, I'm not going to degrade myself by getting on a stand and crying and acting like this weak woman. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to speak in my voice about what happened to me and not let this justice system like manipulate me and, and turn me into something that I'm not, you know, so that's sort of, where I'm at at this point 
in my story. Uh, but um, just inquiring, did you post anything about it on like my doc or anything like that? I have. So the other night after. <laughs> oh my Funny gosh. you mentioned that. So the other night. Inquiring minds want to know. After I got a little tipsy, I went to WebMD where I found the doctor's bio. And I said, in honor of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I want you all to know that this man sexually assaulted me. And I cheers to that. Fuck you. Fuck, fuck that guy. You doctor. Yeah, fuck fuck you. Guy. You don't get to go on living that life. No. Looking all doctory. So yeah, I'm doctor. <laughs> looking all doctory. All right, let's be done with my story. You know what I want to talk about now is um, the long-term effects of, of um, sexual assault. I was going to end with the empowering pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, but as it turns out, like, you know, these stories like are wrapped in like empowerment and like, I just happen to have some really amazing guests here who were able to, you know, speak for, for themselves and, and, and have that empowered outcome to some, as much of a, a, an extent as you can, but it could, could we each take just a minute to kind of talk about some of the long-term effects that you've experienced from a sexual assault. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm one of those people that believes that our stories are being woven constantly and they are the tapestry of our lives. I, I turned it in my experience personally, I turned it into that really powerful, empowering moment where, um, I built a community. I decided that the community that was currently existing was not acceptable, that this was not going to continue. And I decided to build up my own community. Um, and I decided actively to go for, for people from a younger generation of my, uh, that came after me so that the foundation coming after me was going to be stronger, that they were not going to be afraid to talk about consent, that they were not going to be afraid to say no and understanding that no means no. And an energetic yes means yes. So for you, the long-term effects of these experiences you had, it was, it turned you into someone that was going to make something, <clears throat> make and build something better. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Chrissy? Um, it's made me very aware, um, of my surroundings. Where am I? Who is around me? Um, I try so very hard. Like, yeah, you guys always see me like with a drink in my hand or a beer in my hand. Do you ever see me shit faced? No, there's a reason. I don't trust people. I don't, I don't trust people at bars. I don't, um, I don't put forth a lot of faith in humanity. Like everything isn't all happy and fucking rainbows as much as I would like it to be. I know that it's not. I see through that curtain of life. However, I don't let that stop me from wanting unicorns and rainbows right. and that beautiful curtain on life. Right. Like I am not letting that one Probably more than one, as Anna said, people get sexually assaulted all the time. It's different variations, different types of ways that people get taken advantage of. I am not trying to let that define me. 
and or dictate how I'm living my current life. And I feel like my current life is fucking bomb. I have (laughs) all these amazing um, women, men, just I have this amazing little community and network. Um, I just like to live my life and speak my truth. I think it's it's only fair to you know talk about that that when someone assaults like it's a it's a big deal it it there is like long-term damage to the women who and men who are sexually assaulted ptsd anxiety um it can affect your ability to have sex or and how you have sex i think one of the things that i struggled with for a long time is um is like, do I want to let people I am have sex with like know about this? Because I think one thing you also don't want to have the stigma. You don't want someone that you're trying to be sexy with, like having that in the back of their mind about you, you know, that you don't want that to be your story. I don't want that to be my story. I want to be this, you know, sexy, interesting, intelligent woman who's done all these things. And I, it's, it's, it sucks that that is part of my story. And I want the people who are with me to, you know, I don't want that to be in their mind. And that's really, really a hard aspect of it, of being a survivor of childhood rape and sexual assault. Absolutely. Um, I felt like the butt of a joke for a really long time because people make jokes about girls with daddy issues. Mm-hmm. I literally had daddy issues. Right. And getting through that and making sure people know, no, this is not a joke. Like, right. this actually happened mm-hmm. and I am not the butt of your joke. Knock right. it off. Right, right. But I would like to say that, honestly, this show is a good example of like, what I've done with like being a survivor, I'm like, I do believe in sexually empowering women. I think that the more sexually empowered, the girls are loving the angry feminist, it's by so the way. So I know. Right. Okay. I'm going okay. to have thought, to go make more. I thought that the drink I had on my, uh, so you think you can pour an episode was good. This is fantastic. You think that is a, enough. So, Hey, the angry feminist, man. The angry feminists, they're all drinking like crazy. I'm breaking out in an anxiety high rash. It's That's actually what's happening not, here. It, it looks better. It does look better. It looks it better. Looks I'm telling better. you. Cold rag and I got you. Let me mom you. <laughs> Folks, I'll give you your mommy issues. is falling the fuck apart over here. <laughs> no, she's not. I am not. Just lighten up in a rash. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> kind of your brand exactly (laughs) really if you listeners knew how many rashes i've been around (laughs) so bad anxiety causes me to break out in hives can we call it hives and sit around yes hives hives. apparently i'm experiencing some (laughs) 
That's my, my body. Long-term effect. That's going to happen. So I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to Annette for uh, being willing to have us together to talk about this. This is something that a lot of people shy away from, especially on a very public platform like this. And I wanted to say thank you for bringing us together and empowering us for being able to talk about it. And not only that, but providing a safe environment for us to talk about it. So thank you very much for having Mm -hmm. us on today. Touche what she said. Here's to Annette. Thank you so much for empowering women everywhere. And I didn't know this was going to be such a a clinky, drinky podcast. I know, right? I've been sober through most of the podcast. This is definitely the (laughs) This is definitely the one where I'm like, oh, this drink is so good. I mean, we, I keep smelling the joints in my pocket going, something smells really good. It's <laughs> next level to yes. the show, guys. They're taking out the pot. It smells amazing. So Hannah. What? Oh, it's out of our hands. Oh, yeah. It's off the rails. It's oh, off. Hey, we did all the important stuff. The important work is That's done. Right. All right, folks. So... This has been a heavy subject, but what I really appreciate about how this conversation went is that you could see how, you know, these badass bitches were able to talk about something that was really traumatizing and that we don't just sit around. There were tears. There's been laughter. There's been joking. Um, This is kind of the beauty of women coming together in the quote locker room to talk about sex and the things that happen to us, the good, the bad, the funny, the traumatizing. Um, so I'm, you know, I had a lot of hesitations around doing this episode. So early in the podcast, in the life of the podcast, but, um, I'm glad that we did because I think if we're going to move forward with the podcast and talk about all the different types of yummy, weird, kinky, freaky ways to fuck, it's really important that up front we talk about consent and we talk about what happens when consent is not respected and people are hurt. Women, women are hurt, uh, sexually. Um, so, you know, Daisy and Chrissy and Anna, I want to thank you guys for doing this episode with me because it's not been fun uh, and easy to set up. It's not, I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to go. I don't know how I'm going to edit it. Chrissy just fucking belched in the middle of my meaningful commentary. So, so sorry. Bubbles made bubbles. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. So this is how it goes. We're, we are survivors and we get to laugh and we get to do these conversations how we want to in our voices. We don't have to be just weepy and weak because that's not what we are. We're badass broads who like are sexually empowered and we have our own voices and get to speak to this topic. So I think it's about time to get the book out of the locker room. Huh? Head up, boobs out. Head up. Tits up. (laughs) Boobs up. Head up. Head up, boobs out. Is that a thing? Tits up. Yeah. Head up, up. boobs out. I've never heard that in my life. I've heard tits up. It's my thing. I've heard head up, tits up. Put your head up and your zits out. That just happened. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, stay sexy, be safe. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh, God. Until next time, we'll see you in the locker room, folks. <laughs> the Mary's joints smell good. They smell so good. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I imagine that's going to actually record. After she might have to. <laughs> Do the sex. You can head on over to LockerRoomTalkPodcast.com where you'll find our past episodes, cocktail recipes, and Locker Room Talk articles as well. And don't forget to check out SheExplorsLife.com where you'll find Anna Arroyo's column, Definitely Gay, and my column, Bisexuality in Reality. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have a topic you're just dying to hear us talk about, Email us at sheexploreslife at gmail.com and tell us what you want to hear. Until next time, raise those glasses. Always keep it sexy. And we'll see you in the locker room soon. Cheers. <laughs> Ring loop. Bring sexy back in 2024 with hot lingerie, sensual body products, and adventurous sex toys from lovehoney.com, all at a 15% discount with code EXPLORES15. Embrace your inner bombshell with their gorgeous bra and panty sets, baby dolls, and corsets. Then explore your desires with their line of toys that range from vanilla is my flavor to tie me up and call me good girl daddy. And don't forget to treat yourself to a massage candle or essential body oil, all for 15% off with code EXPLORES15 when you shop lovehoney.com. That's right, 15% off on lingerie, sex toys, and more when you shop lovehoney.com and use code EXPLORES15 at checkout. Cheers.